Signs of the Southland, Sunday, September 12th, 2021. This is actually our second recording of the day, isn't it, Mr. Grant? We did a great episode with Jonathan Shaheen of uh, Georgia Tech's Women Dive just a little bit ago. If you haven't checked that out, I would go ahead and do so. What did you think about his interview? I thought it was awesome. I actually wrote down a quote from it because I thought it was hilarious uh, as, a, as a swimmer by trade. But uh, talking about the nature of swimming, I thought it summed it up real well. If I go an 18 in the 53 and someone else goes 19, I was faster, which we can dive into some of the stats on football and volleyball, which, you know, may uh, may not always be the team with the most guards wins or, or, or something like that. But um, I, I, I love the perspective. Uh, it was an honor to have him on as a guest and uh, hopefully uh, start something cool where we can bring in some uh, some, you know, actual experts on sports to talk about their sports so absolutely hopefully uh hopefully you guys like it I, I think it was a really interesting experience um and and we had a lot of fun putting it together so that is going to be the previous episode in your feed uh right now we have 40 minutes per zoom to discuss the events of the past week in georgia tech sports are you ready mr grant let's ride Starting with volleyball, its third week of action, they went undefeated at the Georgia Tech Classic and dropped two sets along the way. I know you were at one of these games. I was watching one of them uh, while the Falcons sucked versus the Phil- or versus the Eagles. So I was going to say the Phillies, but that's not the right sport. Tell me what you saw. Tell me how you felt about it. So surprise, surprise, I actually went to two. Uh, I went to Mississippi State and Indiana. Uh, I cannot... Uh, turn my eyes away from a good old fashioned grant family rivalry, especially when my family does not care about the sport that's being played, but I really care about volleyball. So uh, me and the gang were out and about for state and IU Um, both games, pretty similar. We saw pretty similar roster makeup as we have, um, I guess really all season. So far we saw starts from Berlino, Bergman, Brambilla, Tippett, McKissick, uh, I think Kaiser and Morris set. Off the top of my head, I think it was the same for both of them. Um, some spot duty from Pimentel, particularly to be a serve specialist. Uh, we saw Aaron Moss, the captain, come in with dialed up specific plays, it seemed. And then D'Amico to spell McKissick at setter. Again, great to see Pimentel and uh, D'Amico rounding out some of that uh, some of that depth at setter and at uh, libero slash defensive specialist. I believe Pentel was the specialist today. Uh, mm-hmm. If I'm not mistaken, based on the set I was able to watch in general, I thought we looked pretty decent. Uh, Indiana was a great show in coming back from a deficit, which teams I believe in every sport should, uh, you know, practice and get good at and, and, and know how to kind of put that head down and grind. Uh, they dropped the first set against Indiana. Mississippi State was a sweep um, and uh, came back to win three in a row. Despite being down uh, 10-4, I believe was the biggest deficit in set four. Uh, but they were also, uh, you know, just able to pull out a 12-2 run, to put themselves right back in the catbird seat. Um, in general, news and notes, concessions are back at O'Keefe. Uh, they have 10 more home games. Uh, they're uh, getting UGA next weekend if you do not have tickets to Uh, Go see the Jackets play up in Death Valley. Uh, Go check out O'Keefe. Always a great great time. Basically a guaranteed sellout when UGA visits town. And O'Keefe for a sellout is fantastic. 
which folds nicely into my other observation of Thursday. Attendance of about 650, which is pretty solid for a Thursday night against uh, Mississippi State, which is, you know, not not that they're bad. Uh, they are an SEC team. It's great to see a, a big name in the house, but, you know, it's it's not UGA or Clemson or Notre Dame, big rival, big volleyball power. Um, the posted attendance for the Indiana game, uh, probably weird because of the neutral game before them, but it was only posted at 230. And it yep. looked more crowded than Mississippi State. So my my takeaway is, I don't know what that figure was, but if you combine the attendance from the three-game stand, it's probably the best uh, tournament attendance. Like, you know, like there's these preseason non-con tournaments that we have. Um, best combined attendance for Tech in, in quite some time. And, uh, you know, what they say, winning breeds interest. And uh, that, you know, when they're... They're good. People are going to want to come down to see them. And people definitely did this weekend. So that was awesome to see. Absolutely. Uh, I'll read out the attendance while I have them because I now have all three box scores in front of me. Uh, 623 for Mississippi State, 233, like you said, for Indiana, uh, and then 549 for Oklahoma. I actually got a chance to watch most, if not all, the Oklahoma game. A couple of notes while I was live tweeting it. I'd have to go back and grab the actual live tweet notes, but uh, I didn't see Dowd uh, in this game. Uh, she's not listed on the box score either. She didn't make an appearance. I think she was on the bench and, and dressed. So she was definitely available for selection. Uh, Tippett did not play. Or it, it, the box score lists Tippett as a libero for set one uh, and then Pimentel for the entire rest of the match. Um, that's interesting. Uh, I think that's something to keep in the back pocket, at least in terms of her libero rotation. Um, I, we learned that the Oklahoma head coach is an alum as an alumna of the program of the Georgia tech program, which I thought was super cool. And she did a great alumni thing by donating a match to Georgia tech. <laughs> true. I'm, true, I'm true, not going to be, I'm not going to be that much a uh, hate and spurrier today, but I, I, at least from what I saw, Bergman was really, 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 really good uh, in this OU game, 24 points just for her alone. Um, Bertolino uh, was also a really good addition uh, in, in this match, 15 points. Um, she was all over the place and, and, and really strong in her performance. I think across the entire weekend, you'd say. Um, and mm-hmm. I, I, we saw a really good performance from Morissette as well. The announcers were really happy with the way that she was performing. Um, really made some really critical stops um, here and there in the front line. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it was a really strong performance, really strong weekend. Uh, they did drop that first set to OU, uh, 29, 27, but then the second, the middle two sets were not close, uh, 25, 14, 25, 18. They sort of just established their will. Uh, and then the last one was pretty close. Oklahoma, uh, really put up, uh, put up a fight, uh, in set four, but just couldn't seal the deal. Um, so okay. it, it was a really interesting I, game. Um, I, I enjoyed it. I had a, I had a comment because I did watch t- uh, the 29-27 set. Um, Tech did manage to rally from being uh, a decent amount down in that. So I thought that was very good. And it made me interested in continuing to consume this content. Um, but when I got in my car and turned on rec radio, I thought that it would be on the sport, the, you know, rec radio, 91.1. Um, mm-hmm. but they were just playing the usual rec radio fair. So I'm not really sure where one would find them over the airwaves. Usually I, you know, watch in person or, or ACC network extra, but 
if anyone has insight on that, uh, you know, let us know because uh, I couldn't definitely couldn't find them over the, the the traditional airwaves, which I thought was interesting. So usually, usually on that. But I guess segueing into it, how can we catch them uh, next week? Excellent, T. Let me kick it off for you. Uh, this coming week, you will maybe have to catch them on the radio because there's no TV broadcast in Raleigh when they take on Arkansas at 3 p.m. on the 16th. Uh, but there will be a TV broadcast and a hopefully a radio broadcast for the 7 p.m. game versus Athens on the 18th. That one's at Wait, home. That's a night game? Yes. Am, am I – am I – no. The, the, the Clemson game's at 3.30. I was like – You would not I be able to make that. it back. You would have to leave at kickoff to make it back. <laughs> Oops. Um, you can just watch it on the mind. way back. You can watch it on the way I got, back. I, I got my hopes up too high. But um, yeah. the uh, Arkansas, NC State, Athens, Georgia Tech uh, – little quadrangle i guess i guess they don't do a full quadrangle because the sec teams play the acc teams but that's always an interesting little thing it's happened uh the last three non-covid years i believe and uh i don't know cool to see some consistency there so should yeah, be, should be good. quickly looking up arkansas volleyball uh as i have a minute here they are eight and one so they're doing yeah. pretty well. Uh, just looking casually through their schedule, I'm not going to say they haven't played nobody, but also they haven't played nobody. So uh, how about, how about the old be, uh, opinions? Uh, let's jump over to their schedule. Da, 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 women's volleyball schedule. They are do 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 internet show. That's from last season. I want this season. No, I don't want to give you cookies. <laughs> they can they can track you as somebody who likes uh, Athenian sports if you do that. So uh, they are four and five. Uh, they had a scrimmage canceled versus Wake Forest. Moorhead State went through a Pepperdine. Pepperdine was close. That was a that went to a fifth set. Uh, they played Arizona State tight. They looks like they won one set versus Nebraska, which honestly is kind of an experience in and of itself. Uh, lost to Omaha. They banner for that, honestly. Potentially uh, went to a fifth set versus Florida State, which is interesting, but lost. Uh, lost to Florida Gulf Coast three-one. Lost or one beat UCF three-two. Uh, they'll take on NC State later this week. They'll go in Raleigh. Uh, and then they'll come see us on the Saturday. Um, wait, 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 wait. So we beat UCF, who beat Florida State, and Florida State also beat UGA? Florida State lost to, to Georgia. Florida State lost to UGA, but UGA beat UCF. Yes. That's a – I can't work that triangle out in my head anymore. Never mind. I yeah, don't, know don't don't try to transitive property yourself into this one. It's it's volleyball. It's not swimming. It doesn't work. It doesn't make sense that way. Fair enough. All right, let's move on. We have other in-state sports to talk about. Georgia Tech football played Kennesaw State this past weekend, winning forty-five to seventeen. It was a nice little bounce-back performance versus an FCS squad that runs the triple uh, after a uh, <clears throat> not so great performance versus NIU. I have some stats. I have some, I actually have a lot of stats. Let's be clear. Uh, I also have the box score for all of this pulled up the advanced box score. 
But given that you're the vibesy person here, I want to hear your take first before I go into the nitty gritty. Um, I mean, I, I think the, the line at the top of the sheet says it all. This is how both of these first two games should have gone. Um, it was a little bit closer than I would have liked to just be like, okay, NIU was a fluke. They got this. Let's ride. Um, but, you know, we, we won by, what, 28 points, something like that. We made a field goal. Like, those are those are good things. Um, I think it was a little bit fluky that it was as close as it was, given that uh, the onside kick and that, that whole dealio happened mm-hmm. and, you know, whatever we learned. Um, but yeah, no, in, in terms of the vibesiness of it, like, I mean, I left dehydrated and sun, sunburnt and that's a new nerf for you. So. <laughs> oh yeah. This like, was hot. Like I kept having to reapply sunscreen I, I was chugging water the entire time. It was scorching. Uh, we got a lot of cloud mm-hmm. cover in the second half, which was a godsend, but it was, it was hot. It was very hot. And I think attendance also kind of showed that this was not, I don't know if whether it was the opponent and obviously COVID was also a concern um, still, but it, it, attendance was not as good as it, as it could have been. And I think that is, uh, you know, that's something to keep an eye on moving forward. It's also reflective of losing to NIU in week one, but uh, to their credit, KSU did uh, bring more fans than NIU, obviously, because they're way closer, and uh, they brought their band, which I always really like to yep. see. Uh, there was a nice little performance for 9-11 that was this weekend, uh, a nice little joint performance between both bands, which I thought was really cool. Um, a lot of, uh, I, mean, I mean, that band made a lot of noise from the corner that they're usually yeah. stuck in. Uh, it's not like UNC where we stick their band in the upper deck for quote unquote. It's also reasons. not like UNC where they bring 20 people. <laughs> they yeah, they but, were filling up the whole section. So you love to see it. Yeah. It, it was a really, really awesome thing to see. Uh, even, even if they're, you know, like 40 minutes up the road, it's, it's still nice to see the band, see those perform at halftime and, and everyone have a lot of fun. Let's move on to talking about the game itself. I have stats. What do you want to hear first? Lay it on. Um, your stats guy. What's your favorite stat? Uh, I personally like uh, Jordan Yates is plus 15 completions. That completion percentage over expected on his throws. Basically, uh, he com- on all of his throws, his completion percentage was 15% over what we would expect it from the average quarterback. Uh, based on their performance of their completion rate on on those throws of and depending on the distance uh, the distance in the air not the distance that the actual completion went for I think that was really awesome to see I, I will note uh, it obviously comes with a caveat they didn't the offense seemed pretty designed to keep it short to medium right uh, per completion he only had about nine air yards so you're looking really in that medium length throw range for the most part um he he had some he had some veteran savvy at points uh at a couple of times when niu or not NIU, uh when kennesaw brought pressure uh and were, were able to at least get him out of the pocket uh he was able to get get rid of the ball throw it away where i think other quarterbacks that we've seen in the past or even maybe yates last season would have tried to make a play uh, but instead he, you know, took the safe route. He threw it away, um, uh, stuff like that, where he wasn't focused on, um, 
trying to make a risky decision, but he was more focused on, I think the game manager title is a little negative historically, but he, but he really was, he was just, he, he was going with the flow of the game. He was making decisions that were sure they were safe, but they were reliable. They were consistent uh, when he was throwing the ball. Um, the, the scheme, the offensive scheme was really good. I think we saw the exact similar play calls from last, from last week, but he was actually able to execute. We saw a lot of receivers schemed open. Yates had the, had the downfield vision to find them. Um, whether that's because of the, I guess, whether that's because of the scheme or the comparative lack of athleticism of athletes at the FCS and G5 level, I think that's up for interpretation, but I, he had a really good, all of this to say, and I, I have a bunch more stats if we want to go through them, but all of this to say for his debut start, he had a really, really nice game. And I was, I was really, really impressed. It comes with a ton of caveats, but I was, I was impressed. Yeah. I mean, just from my less statsy view, it seemed like he played confident and that, that usually lends to good results. Um, it also is worth noting that uh, I think this was uh, in, in terms of kind of we, we talk Kyrick McGowan as being the not necessarily safe outlet, but like an, a good, yeah, you know, a, a good safety valve um, for the offense. And I think that really shown through with, with his performances, he was very efficient. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I mean, I'll add some color to that. Uh, five targets, five catches, 77 yards, two TDs, uh, good enough for uh, 1.04 expected points added per play. Like really, really strong performance. Obviously that EPA per play is inflated a little bit because of the two TDs, but um, I, I really enjoy the, uh, the energy, sort of the intensity they brought to the game. Um, really shifty runner. You saw him brought out in motion a couple of times. Um, it was a good, they had a good matchup for him and they exploited it in this game. Yep. And then uh, I don't know, I, I think the stats and the PFF grades back this up, but I think, Dante Smith was probably my uh, running back of the week, which uh, always good to see. Always, uh, it's it's kind of hard to get uh, oxygen in that group because there's there's a lot of them that are super talented. But uh, this was his week, and they called his number, and I think he stepped up. Absolutely. So uh, and we had some discussion earlier in the writers' room that I mean, there's three starting caliber running backs on this roster, right? You have Jameer Gibbs, you have Jemias Griffin, and you have Dante Smith. Dante Smith had a really good game. Uh, you mentioned the PF, uh, the PFF grade. Uh, he was the second ranked running back in PFF grades in week two at 90.6 and number one was 90.7. So he was really, really good. He had eight carries, 82 yards and a touchdown, um, 10 yards per play, uh, 0.67 EPA per play. Uh, really, really good performance. He was uh, exceptional uh, at really hard, really tough, like bowling ball style running through the middle. And even on sweeps, once he, once he was able to turn the corner around the tackle, he was able to really explode uh, and just kind of bowl people over. So um, I think it's, I think it's crazy that we can mention three starting caliber running backs and, and the fourth option in there, Jordan, Jordan Mason, like, he ain't no slouch either, man. He's- I think I might have. I mean, that's four. I, maybe I yeah. forgot Jordan Mason, the original rotation, and just swapped him in with Jemias Griffin because that's the name I have in front of me. But, mm-hmm. like, all four of them. Like, those are four starting caliber running backs. And, what, two of them are, are from an option-recruited roster. 
mm-hmm. I mean, the in terms of running, like the talent is there. I do want to dampen some of those expectations, though. I, I want to offer a little bit of a caveat because the offensive line play in this game was not good enough to support that running game consistently, right? Uh, uh, Kennesaw State had a really good uh, Kennesaw State's defense was able to generate a lot of pressure. I think the number that I have here is 20 on 26% of Georgia Tech snaps. They, they got pressure. Uh, and that's, that's pretty concerning to me. The Tech allowed three sacks. They only had two line yards per carry. It's, it's really weird to see some of those things happen uh, to, from a P5 offensive line against an FCS program. And obviously the score, you can kind of say, ooh, score margin, 45 points, 17, like versus 17, whatever, whatever. But I mean, you're looking at, you're not going to play that same lower level of talent uh, up front in the trenches uh, every game. And now you're going to have to deal with Clemson next week, who, who gave Georgia's line the business the other in week one. And then you're going to have to deal with other, like Miami's defensive line. You're going to have to deal with North Carolina. Um, all these other teams that will play you tight up front and putting together this kind of uneasy, for lack of a better term, performance versus an FCS team is kind of not productive or, or at least not, does not bode well in my, in my eyes. Yeah, I agree. Um... I'm not just going to leave it at, I agree, but I see, you know me, I want to go into this next game with the starry eyed, like we washed it all clean. We came out and did great, but like, it it seems like the offensive line thing, like two games starts to become a trend. Does it not? Yeah. And I don't have the advanced stats for the NIU game. ESPN still hasn't posted the play-by-play data for that for whatever reason, but I mean, the offensive line play is one of those things where, it, like I said, it flows, it, it, it limits the effectiveness of an entire stable of running backs that are really good, right? And I think if you look at the rushing performance and the advanced stats from this game, you'll see that it was actually pretty poor overall. Dante Smith had a really good game, like I said, 0.67 EPA per play, but every other running back was negative. Uh, overall, the team was 0.08 EPA per rush. It's, it's not, and they only averaged 5.6 yards per rush. It's mm-hmm. not, it's not what you would expect from a P5 team versus an FS uh, or FCS team in this spot. <laughs> I, I think another, another thing that I want to note while I have it in front of me is that uh, tech was stopped. So that's a gain of less than two yards on 56% of their runs. They were stuffed on 26 well, that, those are two different stats, I think. But I have – they were stuffed on 6% of the runs. Um, I, I might have – I might be comparing two different stats between the, uh, I, the two spreadsheets I, I, I have. But, but my point is that this is not good, right? When you have your line when – you, when you're looking at this, 56% of your rushing snaps uh, are stopped runs that went for two yards or fewer – that is not productive rushing performance. And a lot of that, considering the distance, is on your offensive line. Mm-hmm. The, um, the Freudian slip about 
almost saying an FSU instead of an FCS. I, I appreciated that. Um, oh, well, they, they had their own own thing that we can discuss later, but that, that's an entirely separate item. Yep. Uh, anyways, I know we only have 40 minutes on the Zoom. Should we move on to defense? Absolutely. Uh, so one of our fellow writers, Nishant, was sitting next to me at this game. Uh, he was in town, and, and it was nice to chat about some of the schematic stuff that was going on, um, especially defensively. Uh, I think we were looking for some improvement, some schematic improvement from the NIU game. Uh, a couple of things that we saw uh, tech in some situations was running some cover one. Uh, a lot of instances of of the two linebacker of two linebackers setting up on the edge of the defensive line just to limit the options horizontal movement. Um, you know, the, the, the KSU set up a lot in that traditional flex bone package that we see that we used to see from Paul Johnson, but KSU was doing it. And, and Brian Bohannon was doing it at KSU. It was kind of interesting to see the schematic, the offensive uh, formation differences. Actually, I think I kind of expected KSU to run that same flex bone pattern, but out of the shotgun um, and do a little bit more with it. But it was weird that they sort of had the dogma of staying in the traditional Paul Johnson flex bone and only came out, brought it out into the shotgun when they had to, when they knew it was an obvious passing situation. I thought that was pretty interesting. Other like actual defensive notes that I wanted to touch on. You cannot give up almost 400 yards to an FCS program. I'm rounding up quite a bit. It was more like 350, but that's not particularly acceptable. Um, considering the, the gulf, the supposed gulf between the programs in terms of talent quality. Um, they allowed minus 0.24 EPA per play, which granted is a pretty good mark, but I will say uh, on the in the air, they allowed 0.31 uh, total EPA. Um, and I think that's dulled by a couple of picks. So yeah. there's... There's room for improvement, especially in coverage. I, I think there were a couple of blown coverages that we saw, especially in that sequence that you mentioned earlier, where uh, KSU scored a touchdown, got the onside kick, and then scored a touchdown again. There were a couple of blown coverages in that sequence that that sort of uh, led to that mini comeback. Um, and and I, I think something that we noted on Twitter as well is that the starter, the one defense was still in up 28 points in the second half. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it, yeah, and they were given up those yeah and those two those two touchdowns were, were from the starters so there's on the defensive side of the ball there is a lot of room for improvement and i i want to see i i think you we'll, we'll talk about the clemson game maybe in a bit here but maybe you use next week as a mulligan but that something about that has to get better Something about yep. the coverage there has to get better. And I'm, I'm not schematically advanced or schematically knowledgeable enough to say what it is. And maybe it's, it's the way that they played in this game. Selling out to stop the flex bone, to stop the run, is what made them so vulnerable on, uh, in some of these coverage situations, playing a lot of man-to-man. -man. But something has to change in, in those situations. And, and we need to start seeing some improvement there. I will say... At least we beat the triple this time. Don't remind me. We still had to, oh. we podcasted after the Citadel one, didn't we? I thought we 
I thought we became like a food podcast for a week yeah, or something. Yeah. We did. It was bad. No, I was I was at the goal line when when that happened. It was it was not awesome, but you know, here we are. We Zestima we won this feet. week, and and we're not going to have a goose egg on the year in the record. So yeah, um, I just want to touch on special teams while we have a minute. I, it looks like we only have ten minutes, so we're going to have to rattle some of this stuff off. Uh, punting was okay. Not wait, wait, really wait, 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 one more defense thing. Oh, I do. I have another defense thing. No, oh, I, oh, I do. go for it. It's the one we all know. Awesome to see from Jordan Dominic. Uh, I think he's getting his due time in the sun. Uh, his uh, scoop and score was fantastic. Yeah. There he also, th- he also threw Charlie Thomas into a block, which was very funny. Oh yeah. Great play. Well worth all the accolades and the TV time and the interview and, and the Lamar Jackson retweet, all that stuff. Congrats. He's been a great player, somebody to watch going forward, too. Absolutely. All right. On to special teams while I still have some time here. Punting was okay. Uh, Like I said a little bit earlier, Um, it's not Presley Harvin quality. Obviously, nothing is ever going to be that quality. I I think Shanahan's doing True. Um, Shanahan's doing a pretty good job. I mean, it's like, I think the putts that I saw were like 46, 47 yards. they, they could be better, but obviously you're comparing it to possibly a, like an all-time punter, all-time punter quality there. So I'm not mm-hmm. going to complain too much. I will complain a little bit about the punt defense. There was one gashing return allowed in the third quarter that I think Tech can improve on. Uh, Brent Samaglia had a really great day, I think, especially after last week. This was a really good day for him. Uh, hit the one field goal that we had him do uh and then all of his xps so that's really good to see um our place kicker or kickoff duty guy who i can't remember who it was today yeah. or i can't gavin remember stewart, right? i think it was gavin stewart this weekend um all but one of his kickoffs were touchbacks uh and the other kickoff was fair caught at like the five so that's for- uh that's like seven for eight on touchbacks yeah uh so improvement there the only thing that i will note only other negative that I'll note there, uh, they did give up that onside kick recovery that then led to another Kennesaw, t- a long Kennesaw touchdown. So um, I think a consistent thing that we've said over the years of the cons regime so far has been that the special teams defense needs some work. And I think that still holds. Yep. Um, do we have any numbers? I know the Bindex isn't out until like Tuesday, but anything else on that? Uh, I do not have Bindex numbers. Uh, if you want me to go through some of the other numbers on the sheet that I have in front of me, uh, I can. Uh, SP Plus did get updated today. Um, so Tech has the 64th overall team. Uh, that's the 77th ranked offense, 52nd ranked defense, and 88th ranked special teams. That's kind of exactly where I expected them to be, sort of very yep. middle of the road, not super good, not super bad. Uh, in terms of other advanced stats that I have in front of me, they had a 60% success rate based on EPA uh, when passing, which I thought was super cool. Um, they created 26% of their first downs off of early downs. I don't have a comparison number to throw at you on there, but I, I think that's pretty good. I will note that they rushed on 60% of early downs, early downs of first and second down. I don't like that. It's, it's been a consistent theme 
but it's also not super, you know, analytic savvy to keep running on early downs. Uh, yep. But at the same time, I think that the counter to that argument is you have a stable of four starting ACC starting caliber running backs. You can afford to do that and, and, and pass a little less. Um, yeah, you got to get the talent on the field. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Other than that, I'm not seeing anything else that pops out at me on the stat sheet. I, there, there are a couple of bugs that I need to fix on the site but uh, that I've seen. But other than that, I'm not seeing anything super, super interesting. Uh, I, I Maybe we can double back to Yates for a second just to round out some of his CPOE numbers, that completion percentage over expected. Uh, 15, like 15%, like I said, on all throws, but what it was throws over 10 air yards. So that's 10 yards traveled in the air uh, on his, on that throw. Uh, he was plus 28 and then plus 36 on over 20 air yards. So that's really good. Um, I, I don't have sample sizes on those numbers in front of me, but still really, really good. Uh, ESPN had him at 65 QBR, a QBR of 65. That's good enough for 49th in the nation that's after an opponent adjustment so i think his unadjusted one was around 79 uh but obviously you make an adjustment for the fcs opponent uh, an update on jeff sims he was dressed he was on the sideline uh it was reported that he would be available but he did not appear in this game yates played the entire way and again had a had a pretty good start we got five minutes left on the clock anything else that you want to mention? Um, well, my mother is calling me, so let's make this fast for that reason as well. Um, as far as KSU goes, that covers it. As far as Clemson goes, lol. We we know well that they are who we think they are. We are <laughs> okay, Dennis Green. Let me pull up the let me pull up the spread at least so I can read that off. Uh, Clemson is favored by 29 points, uh, from circus sports, uh, with an over under of 57 and a half. Uh, I don't have SP plus in front of me again to tell you how good of a projection that is, but after last year, I think any and all margins are potentially on the table and I will leave it at that. All right, let's leave it then. Yeah, let's leave it. All right, Mr. Grant, I will see you next week. I will also see the rest of you listeners next week with a recap potentially of uh, Clemson. Maybe, probably, I don't know. Maybe we'll do, we'll, we'll turn into a food podcast again. <laughs> All right, we'll talk soon.